Welcome to another episode of Upon Further Review, where we watch films considered the best ever made, and we talk about if we think they deserve that reputation. Yeah, motherfucker, we'll be the judge of that. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about the 1990 classic Goodfellas, and I am Noah Kinsey. Jonesy. And we have some guests on the show today, very excited. We have Chris Haas. Hello. And Melissa Kirkpatrick. Hello. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank really you for having us. Awesome. So let's just jump right into it. Yeah. Okay. What? Just overall, we'll dive deep into it. But just, what did you think? Well, you know, we we were watching it, like I said, in the context of watching all these other films mm-hmm. um, that I made on this list. You know, the best films of my favorite film of each year. Mm-hmm. So we started in 1986 and worked up to 1990, and we were both struck at how this film doesn't feel, doesn't scream out the time that it was made. Mm-hmm. It still feels just like a great fucking movie like worlds better than mm-hmm. the other films that we were watching oh, I bet um, every every second of it mm-hmm. um, to me still feels com- perfect nice one of the few perfect movies in my opinion yeah I, I, I'll jump on with you man I, I love this movie uh, I'm a Scorsese fan me too like I'll suck that guy's dick oh, I yeah. don't care he's cool <laughs> yeah. you know I love this movie I don't know there's a lot of gangster movies and we gave Godfather a lot of shit the second one. The second one, you know, this to me is even better than Godfather, personally. Oh yeah, personally. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't see why. I, how it's even a conversation? I've had that. I've had that <laughs> argument with people. Dude, yeah. some guy told me he wanted to strangle me because he heard our podcast about Godfather two, and he was just like, "You piece of shit." That's yeah, like, that's an institution. And I, I was guess just perfect. Like, I'm sorry, I'm like, man, well, just, no, uh, the thing is, Scorsese was making a film about the mob that he saw. Right. Yeah. The actual around. mob. Coppola. Didn't know anything about the mob. Coppola, you know, Coppola looked at it like a Shakespearean. You know, he's got Mm -hmm. got a king, and he got each he got three sons, and each son has a little bit of the um, personality of the king. And he's just he was just a filmmaker from Berkeley. It was all very foreign to him. (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. You know, but Scorsese, that's what it was like. Yeah, that's how he grew up. You know, because you know Don Corleone lives like a king, and it's all very romantic. But in reality, these guys didn't make blue collar. They didn't make that much fucking money. They stole. They usually they, shooting they, each other. Right. Yeah. They usually yeah. got killed before they could spend any of the fucking money. Right. And then they end up dying in prison or dead. I mean, that's the reality of it. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Melissa, what did you think when you watched it? I definitely could feel the classic overall, and I love that it just dove you into that world. Like, mm. it's the first time that I saw a mov- any movie. I think probably my first Scorsese movie, and I was like, this is such a different world than anything I'd ever seen. It was just a different perspective. All you, the different characters you get to, like, favor one side or another. You mean this was the, your first Scorsese film? Yeah. Wow. Like, <laughs> yes. You just saw it for no, 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 no. She saw just ever. She saw In Last Temptation life. of Christ two days before. Oh, uh, okay. I was about to say, which she did not like as much. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people did it. <laughs> I did. Well, we watched the whole thing and it was over. I was like, "What'd you think?" And she was like, eh, "It's a little long." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, I love it. I think Goodfellas I, yeah. is phenomenal. And like to Melissa's point, just I love how you dive in. It starts basically the middle of the film and then yeah, moves back yeah. to the start. And for me, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Scorsese fan. Not, I don't love all of his stuff, but I love most of it. And I love his way of filmmaking and how honest it is. Um, I was a little surprised. I usually hate it in a film where there's more than one person narrating. Um, I just, to me, it completely throws me out of the story because it's just, 
you're seeing it some for from someone's viewpoint and that's kind of who you want to stick with so usually when there's multiple voiceovers it throws me off but this i thought was done beautifully Mm -hmm. and it was needed it's very it's very powerful i think the first time that was ever done in art would have been robert louis stevenson in treasure island where he changes the narrator like in the middle in the middle of the story and i can't think of another time it was done in cinema where they just switch narrators in in one film yeah i've seen a couple different where they'll bounce back was there one before goodfellas though i don't know that's a good question i don't think there was i've seen some a couple in more recent and he 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 goes one step further of four years later in casino where you've got pesci sharon stone and de niro narrating and then randomly for one second it freezes on frank vincent and frank vincent's uh, he's like just a henchman character Mm -hmm. narrates for like two seconds and it's just really over the top and it works it works for me yeah I was just so shocked at how – I don't know why this is so powerful to me, how powerful it is when he freezes the frame and cuts out all of the other audio and mm-hmm. you just hear him talking. Like mm-hmm. when, when the father's beating him with the whip. Yeah. He was upset my brother was in a wheelchair, but mostly he was upset I worked at the cab stand. And then I, I think it's because he goes back into it. Usually they'll freeze and go to another scene. Yeah. He freezes and then goes right back into it. It's so powerful. He does well, it like eight or nine times. Yeah, and I think what he's doing is – the reason why I love it is because it was like a snapshot of a moment that he remembers in time. Like, right. you know, like when we go back in time, we think about little moments, but they're usually like small bits of that moment. Right. And I think he creates that because we see him from the very beginning of the movie growing right. into being who he becomes. Mm-hmm. Those little freeze frames to me just kind of reveal that as a memory. Right. You know what I mean? The moment his dad beats him and he learns that you get what, you know, power is important. You know right. what I mean? You get what you want through mm-hmm. violence and so forth. So. And I was thinking about why this worked so well for me with the two different voiceovers. And I think the point of it with the wife is to, because it's a very honest portrayal mm-hmm. of that mob world versus like we talked about with Coppola, the right. romantic version of it is to, I think his wife would be too sympathetic without the voiceover. Cause even like when she's super mad at him for cheating and she has the gun on him, her comment was like, I realized I couldn't kill him because I loved him. She was like, I still found him so attractive. Yeah. Like she still was turned on by this life. So right. that way, when she gets busted later on or whatever, you don't feel as bad for her. Cause like, uh, she's she just left, yeah. in yeah. it as much as him. Mm-hmm. Like, but I also love another Godfather comparison. So you compare Diane Keaton in that, and oh, this is terrible what you're doing. This is awful. Oh, Michael, uh, compare that to, I think, a more realistic Karen Hill. Because mob wives which, know what's where, up. Where, where she's just like, we were we were happy they risked their neck for to make a few extra dollars yeah. for us. Yeah. I, it, it turned me a lot. If you got a mink jacket, yeah. fuck yeah. Absolutely. They right. can go knock. Money, hands are hundreds. Right, right. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Really I like that she yeah. goes, how much, he goes, how much money do you need? And she puts us, uh, her fingers up. Yeah. Know, like a <laughs> For the stack. stack. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what was that? I, remember, that, that? I was telling her that and the Sopranos when Tony would give the money to Carmella. Right, right. You know, when I, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, what are those? Like $10? bills and then I was like no those are hundreds <laughs> that's a lot of fucking money <laughs> yeah I just I think Scorsese just does a great job and you know reading a lot of the behind the scenes stuff he was so meticulous making sure everything was right right you know even Ray Liotta's tie Scorsese tied it himself to make sure it was perfectly accurate like for for that setting for those right. people and even De Niro um, was calling some of the mob guys to see even how Jimmy held his cigarette. I mean, right. there's so much little attention to detail. And I mean, it just, it pays off because it creates this really rich world. And I was thinking um, the the scene of the diner or, or like when he's in the phone booth and he, and he 
punches the phone booth so hard that the whole thing knocks over. I think they, it was made at exactly the right time because it made 1990. So this stuff is like, what, 30, 25 years in the past. But it wasn't made today. So there was, they were still able to go on location and shoot and really get you in that world without having to completely like nowadays that would be to- everything would be CGI'd to make it look like the 1950s or the, or the mm. 1960s. I think it was made at just the right time mm-hmm. that it felt like if it, it felt like we were, yeah, right we were really in that world. Going on, yeah. yeah. It just, the only thing that kind of made me laugh and took me out of it just very briefly is when he mentioned that on uh, De Niro was like 20 something or whatever. Oh, right. Point, right. Like, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> like the first scene. Okay. Right. right. Cause he looked a hell of a lot older, but I mean, it just for a second, it made me laugh because I'm like, no. Yeah, you don't even remotely look <laughs> right. Not even close. Right, as great of an actor, you, you and also because we know what he looked like in his twenties. Yeah, if you just look at Mean Streets, that's what he looked like in his twenties. Right. Um. Also, the music. Yeah, the music was lot, just but... was beautiful. I mean, just because it it takes place what between nineteen fifty five and nineteen eighty eighty something yeah. like that. Yeah, so music played a huge role in this. Just you know, bring kind of informing you on in what time period each of the scenes was in. And the way that he uses source music like it's a score that was written for the film. Yeah. You know, uh, we were, uh, about a month ago, when we were in Pennsylvania, she put on her music and, and just the Layla breakdown came on at the, you know, the piano part. Mm. And I said, oh, it's the good part of Layla. <laughs> and I was like, I've you'd never heard that before except in Scor- you know, Scorsese, genius enough to not fuck around with the whole song and just you know, as if that was all Layla was. It was that be- beautiful mm-hmm. piano part at the end. I, I, I don't know why. I, be, I get emotional watching that part. I don't know why. It's, 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 it's awful. <laughs> yeah. It's just a bunch of dead bodies, but it's just gorgeous that that, that mm-hmm. it's a like is it, is it a cadillac that that pink car mm-hmm. and that slow push in <laughs> the- oh it's great <laughs> i love it's one, of, one of my favorite sequences in any film it's wonderful so why you know this this seems to be probably the most honest portrayal of the mob that i've seen where yeah. it's just kind of not romantic i mean it has shows the great parts shows why people are in and also shows like the brutal stuff right. i mean um why? Why do you think that's so hard? I mean, why do we? Why do you think we haven't seen that in other types of films? How does Scorsese master this when others tend to either make it too, either too graphically violent just for sake of violence, versus too just romantic? I mean, how are we not seeing? How does? I mean, how can he do it, and other people can't quite? There's a couple of things for me that I think Scorsese does really, really well is that he understands how to make a movie for like the blue collar guy, mm-hmm. right? And that's what all the mob guys were. They weren't absolutely. They weren't white collar dudes. Mm-hmm. They were most of them were. They stay, dabbled in white collar crime. They literally per se, were union they guys. Were, yeah, <laughs> union like, guys. And- straight blue collar dudes. <clears throat> Um, the violence that's in Scorsese movies, some of it's pretty like stark when it happens, and I think that's the because when when you're in a fury of like anger and rage that type of stuff happens in an instant yeah. and you get that visual you know what I mean I think he uses it extremely well when you watch well at least for me when I've watched other gangster films I find that like you they they over uh, dramatize like the bad guy you know yeah. what I mean they don't humanize them they He's almost become than a, life. a caricature of what our our stereotypical yeah. gangster looks like you 
uh, you sympathize with Henry. with Henry Hill mm-hmm. the whole entire movie. Mm-hmm. You sympathize sort with uh, Tommy DeVito. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he's shorter than everybody else. You can tell that he probably got a bunch of shit, and now he's fucking pissed off about it. And the it. little moments like you his know? mother and the painting. Hey, dude, one of my you know, favorite scenes out of it, the entire fucking movie, which was, by the way, Scorsese. That's Scorsese's mom. mom. Yep. Who's a hell of an actress? Actually. Hell yeah, <laughs> dude. I was like, good for you, lady. You know? And Scorsese didn't, the tell, didn't tell her what her son's character did. Right, she right. Ju- he just wanted her to just be this loving mother. Didn't there want that he just killed somebody. Any uh-huh. of and there's, there's a dead body in your fucking yeah. you know, <laughs> little in your yeah. driveway Dead-ish. right now. Deadish. <laughs> say somebody we know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. the, these little touches like that, because that's the reality: is that there isn't anyone who is just a monster or just no, a bad man. guy. Everyone has a mother and children, and, and exactly. You know, and I, I think comparing it to other, th- like you were saying, why does he do as other people can't? I think he is just so uninterested in what a lot of filmmakers are paid to do or want to do, which is either judge the characters to tell the audience how to feel mm. or to titillate the audience. Yeah. And whether it's Jake LaMotta, who's a horrible human being in Raging right. Bull, whether it's any of these gangster characters or whether it's Homeboy in um, Wolf of Wall Street, he's not judging. He's just yeah. showing you. Yeah. Yeah. You can do with that whatever, whatever you, you want. Yeah. Because and I know people that hate that character. And then right. I know, like I know people that actually use him as like a staple of how they want to live their life. Right. I'm just like, dang. Well, I mean, I, I remember <laughs> when, from the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. yeah when Wolf yeah. of Wall Street came out, a lot of people were saying, oh, how can you some some feminist how can you not some, some, show him yeah. as terrible? There was this this, like, well, this this feminist got on my case. Like, how could how could Martin Scorsese do? How can you like a film that's so hard? When I was like, I don't remember him ever glorifying or romanticizing the actions of that character in that film. Ever. If you took that as a good time and right. good choices, that's on you. Yeah. I don't think doing drugs and Well, treating, but see, you, you can know. even scale back. So there are certain scenes like with like the strippers and with right. the drinking in the boats that that on the surface you could see as glorifying. However, the movie is so submersed in Leo's character that you're seeing it kind of from his perspective. Right. But also on the flip side, when shit goes sideways, you're seeing it from his perspective exactly. as well. Right. So you can't be like, oh, look at this. Where yeah, it's like, yeah, but look over here at right. this you know, right. terrible shit right. that's happening. Right. I mean, even when he was on like Quaaludes and you thought right. he drove totally fine, they go back and show you like, oh, no, he was like driving through bushes right. and stuff. But what I love about terrible. what I love about that character and and the Henry Hill, I mean, these are both real people, but you know, yeah, we'll right. call them characters in the context of Scorsese movies. Is that there was never any like, oh, you're poor, down on your luck, or you were abused. Like, no, I like doing this. Yeah, I, I felt I felt uh, respected. I I didn't mind the violence. I like this lifestyle. Even Ray Liotta's like the the real guy. Liotta's character is based off of loves this movie he loves it so much that when the movie came out oh, he, he came out like yep. saying like oh that was me all the shit and he got kicked out of witness protection yes he did <sighs> oh that's funny <laughs> and he came up with like a website i think it was like the real hank hill or he made something. so much money he had he had the wise by wise guy yeah yeah he, he sold cookbooks and stuff yeah he, made, made, him, he so, made a bunch of money and he got a sh- he got so much shit on his website that he came up with for being a snitch yeah. So That's like funny. he didn't get embraced like he thought it was gonna get well, embraced. I, I, I met, but he somebody. got paid though. You know. What I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. And he then got he paid, paid like, off everybody. Like don't kill me, I'll give you money. Just... He paid, got paid like five hundred thousand or mm-hmm. five hundred fifty thousand dollars for for this. Um, but. They were saying that's chump change compared to he used to make like anywhere from ten to forty thousand sure. a week. Jeez. I mean, I, I I met somebody. So of course he's gonna love that lifestyle, right. man. The yeah. highs are high and the lows are well. I'm in Wit, Wit Pro now. I, I met Ohio. somebody that I didn't know well. Um, just just knew a little bit, but she was related 
to him. Like, really? Like distant. He, Interesting. Distant. She was her, her husband's family, I think, uh, like it was a cousin, but they mm-hmm. knew him. And when I found that out, I was like, holy shit, tell me everything. I want to, you know, and she's like, no, yeah. we don't like to talk about He's a real terrible person. He's very <laughs> embarrassed. He's a horrible person. He was at a wedding. He's a drunk asshole. But so it's not, so it's awful in real life. Yeah. But, uh, but, uh, but then I thought to myself, oh shit, I'm romanticizing it. Fuck. Yeah. Because <laughs> when I hear it, I just think of, I just think of Ray Liotta. Yeah. And, you know, that great end sequence where they, where he puts, puts all the songs together when he's driving around the helicopters over. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like one of the greatest film sequences of all time. All right. Um, and I didn't, I was something I, you know how you pick something up, uh, you always pick up something new when you watch a great movie like this. I didn't notice that he uses only like one note of a song in between using the Harry Nilsson song, um, out of the fire. And before he goes to bad to the bone during that whole cocaine helicopter mm-hmm. sequence, at one point you see helicopters flying by and then he puts the date up and you just hear like, Oh, oh. it's like a beginning of like a, a Howling Wolf song or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know exactly what it was. He just uses like three seconds of that. Right, almost as if he re he and his sound his um, music supervisor were re envisioning the whole thing as one big medley, like one yeah. big medley uh, source like music score for Goodfellas. You know, only Cameron Crowe, I think, or Tarantino do that. Tarantino with with, with the same amount of precision. Yeah, yeah. With source music. You know, and uh, the director from Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> right. So, and kind of to your point earlier about him, about not creating the big evil or making the bad guys bad guys, right. he, Scorsese, I, is just so uninterested in doing that, yeah. that he actually scales back from what was real. I mean, mm-hmm. like, Pauly, he was, like, you know, the big wig, big, big imposing guy, but he was, the real one was known for being, like, he could be super violent and he's been known to like chase dudes down with a baseball bat. Right. And, um, uh, Pesci's character wasn't actually a tiny man. His, in real life, he was actually really big, like massively built dude. Right. So like, he's not interested because that could kind of fall into the whole like movie bad guy cliche. Right. So Scorsese's says like, let's back this up and let their words and just the actions of their life dictate like how you feel about well, there's that. a lot of conversations with Scorsese talking about character versus plot right of like, course you yeah. know and where I think a lot of uh, younger filmmakers kind of they worry too much about plot and to me the plot shifts so much throughout this overall movie where what end, what we well, at least for me what I cared about the most was just these characters more than anything yeah. else I whatever just wanted to whatever was happening I was more engaged in in what they were doing and kind of the struggles that they were having you know whether that was balancing your life at home and your life on the street or dealing with your you know Napoleon complex or whatever you know what I mean those things were more interesting to me than them dealing drugs and you know going crazy right like what's interesting to me is when they're out at they're out with their on the girlfriend night they call it right <laughs> Saturday yeah, was right, girlfriend right. night and uh, Joe Pesci's girl was saying how Sammy Davis Jr. is so talented oh I could definitely see how a white girl could go for him I'm like oh my god what is his reaction going to be to that uh-huh. that to me is uh-huh. so much more interesting yeah, right. than, like the inner exactly. workings of a drug deal yeah, yeah I exactly a woman here and bring up the love story real quick yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's, cool. that's cool I love I love how it is romanticized and that she was always fueled by his anger and that right. they started off like such a like a firestorm together yes and, mm-hmm. and she confronted him and she was like they like you know she ruled over him at least for that one scene mm. she's yelling at him at the deli I think mm-hmm. and then later um, just evolves into you can see how how like he sa- like saved her from the neighbor like it just shows exactly that buy in why she, exactly why she was it, like completely in the lifestyle the whole time even right. when things were rough and she was 
take the children to the girlfriend's house. <laughs> all these things that I that's was rough. like, oh, that's my mother. Like watching, <laughs> watching it, like all these things are so, like I've just believed in, in her so so much and I could understand why you would just go, you know, go along with it. It's all right. you've ever known. Mm-hmm. It was her first love. Mm-hmm. They built this family together and no matter what, come hell or high water, she was going to. Well, it's so stark different from how, like how her family was, right? Like yes. you get introduced to the mom in like two seconds where first date <laughs> comes out and she covers up his shirt because he's wearing a the cross, cross. Oh, and she goes right. yeah and she's just like oh she says you're half jewish and he's like huh yeah <laughs> right like Only you, you understand it right you have a mother that that's over that that's overbearing we don't need a big scene for he that gets so we much get it he gets so <laughs> much know? across with so little so just, just little. The, fur- so the furniture in her mother's house oh yeah right, right? this is the east coast <laughs> fucking new like long island oh my god when she says uh don't bring your father into into this. He hasn't digested a meal properly in three uh-huh. years. <laughs> Great, so good. And 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 the scene you're talking about where she confronts him, even in such a realistic film, he does have a little bit of like old Hollywood of just shine in it, like that zoom in to him looking mm-hmm. at her and she who do you think you are, Frankie Valley or some kind of big shot? <laughs> yeah, right. I love that scene. Yeah, she definitely she loved that passion. That's what she chased the most was like that fire and the drama. She's a very well, dramatic person. I think that's what yeah. she loved because he kept her on her toes and she wasn't bored by him because it'd either be like just keeping that high of the. Well, not only that, it's like she have she found a man that's willing to do anything. Mm-hmm. You yes. know what I mean? Willing to do anything, and I think at that time you you don't. They didn't have that. You know, she grew up in a house where the dad, the mom rules with, a, you know, an iron fist, if you will. And then you got a dad that's probably a pushover. She probably yeah. wanted a man that wasn't her father. And remember what she says to him at the wedding? She says, are you, are you comfortable? We're going to leave all these envelopes of money here. We're going to leave all these presents here on the, while we go dance. Like, no one's going to steal it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. talking about take this stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And then mm. she holds on to it because then, you know, to the to your same point, because of that, she's like, I don't want anything else. You know, for me, the biggest, you know, the, the, the biggest part of this story is about somebody that's looking at ordinary life and saying, well, fuck that. I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to do this because this yeah. is more extravagant. I'm willing to take the risk to do all this. And she did the same thing because she had an ordinary life, mm-hmm. you know. So it was a lot easier for them. That's why I love the ending the landing shot with him, you know, picking up the it's paper great. at the very end, it's which is great. basically him starting out exactly where we first saw him it's in an great. ordinary house. Very simple. Yeah. You know what I mean? And now you have him he is, he back, tried, to, yep. back to ordinary life. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's so good. Um, what was that other scene? Oh, the scene that we were really struck by watching it again was when she's in the, um, she was at somebody's house, right, with all the other wives. Yes. And they're doing the they're doing the makeup and those close shots of all, of and all she's the bad. Narrating the whole thing. And she says, "Was struck with just something about these women. They didn't look good." <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and they're all they're all having these really graphic conversations right. about about their husbands and mm-hmm. all the you know all the just talking you know, about it. Yeah. You zoom all in with their like caked up makeup and their right. poor skin and mm. they're they're all they all have twitches. Right, but that tells <laughs> so much about how these women really feel. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. They're all saying one thing, but you're visually seeing something completely different. Right. You know, and I think that's you know, Scorsese at his best. Absolutely. And it's such a simple scene, right? There's not a lot of violence going on and you have a whole room, a, a gaggle of women <laughs> right. just talking shit to each other and they're all trying to get primped and they're talking about this is how it is and deep down, they're pissed off about it. But they love the they love the freedom and the money more than anything yeah. else. Spoils, right? And the spoils, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I th- just, I think with extra detail that Scorsese, like he had actual mob guys as extras 
in the movie. Yeah. Um, but they gave fake social security numbers, obviously. So mm-hmm. I have no idea how they actually got paid for that. But they were in it. In and cannolis. <laughs> yeah, but it was so interesting. Like um, Marlon Brando actually recommended to Scorsese to not make this movie. And I think Brando is probably like worried for Scorsese's safety. Oh, but the explain. fact, yeah, but the fact that, because I mean, I'm sure that when the book came out, you know, the mob didn't really like it, especially since the dude that narked on them. Right. It's kind of his side of everything. Um, but I just, I think because of the detail and because um, Scorsese is like inviting kind of that world to just show it how it is. I think probably shielded him more than <laughs> showing just something super negative or whatever. Right, and right. with his other films, I mean, he has enough clout, I feel, where probably well, those organized crime people outside were like... Of that, too, though, the thing is, is he grew up there. Yeah. The whole area that this movie was... He's grown up in that space. He's, he gets it. The first shot of Henry looking through the, the blinds that's of him. the cab stand. That's him, yeah. sick with asthma exactly. in Little Italy. Mm. Sitting in his you know, fucking just, house, just playing watching. by himself. Seeing exactly. these guys he idolized. Mm. Like, exactly. Oh, they have such a cool mm-hmm. life. He, he tells this great story about, um, li- about living and growing up in Little Italy. And the dude that the uh, the the boss in Mean Streets is, ba- is based off of, just the dawn of that mm, of that mm. street. There was this there was this fight, and the cops came because there was a fight on a basketball court or something like that. And Scorsese said, you know, the next day he's in this restaurant, and the dawn comes in and goes to the goes to the kid that got into the fight, and he said, "Are you so and so?" He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "No more trouble, okay? <laughs> no more trouble. We don't we don't want the police here." And that and you know he, he just always carried that sure that neighborhood kid feel around with him, and I mm. I, I from what I no, I, I I know some people in New York um, that aren't like connected, but you know, or you know, Italian people that are like, I'm not connected, but you think maybe a generation before it might yeah, have been, you know, yeah. very very respected. Mm-hmm. That, that those films are very very respected. Uh, Casino, Goodfellas, and The Departed to a certain extent. Sure. Even though it's about a different area. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's because, like you said, he has that authenticity. Mm-hmm. He comes off like he's a neighbor- trying to make a he comes off like a na- like like a neighborhood yeah. kid. Yeah, you know exactly. Yeah, Just and he's really documenting. great. Yes, he's really great about his casting too. I mean that that was a huge element with this. He want he pushed for Ray Liotta, a producer for the film, but didn't really like him because he was wasn't known at all. Ray but- De Niro's first build actually. Yeah, yeah, but Leota tracked down the producer. I think at like a like a restaurant and kind of basically appealed to him why he should be in the role. And the producer called Scorsese. He's like, "All right, hire him." Um, but the, but there was a lot of you know attention to that. But there's what I love about Scorsese, especially in this, is even though he's so careful with his films, he's also open for collaboration. Yeah. with the actors. So a lot of stuff was though. a lot of stuff was improvised. Oh. You know, um, the the. Am I here to amuse you? That whole thing happened when Pesci was a server at a restaurant serving a guy, I want to say who was in the mob, who basically like said that to, because Pesci said, like, you're a funny guy. And that kind of came about that. So he told that story to Scorsese and he loved it and put it in the movie. Um, there was only like 70 like fucks in this movie initially, but because everyone was so into their character, it ended up being like over 200 times in the movie which at the time was the most the most fucks most but now it's build number 12 right (laughs) the most fucks Fucks given given. i think (laughs) exactly i think casino actually beat it i think there's actually more fucks in casino but yeah at the time it was there wasn't a lot but it's just really cool how he um debbie mazar where she trips when um leota (laughs) that she actually tripped over a dolly like um from it but 
Scorsese loved it so much because he thought she was like overwhelmed by Leota's presence, right. like so flustered. He's like, it fits. Right. So there's so much that was like improvised with this. And I just think having the right casting and trusting those people and those characters really, really helps the film instead of just like, let's stick with the script. Stick with the script. It's like who the only thing that Pesci had a problem with was when he shot um, Spider. Yeah. Um, he said he just. You know, he's he kind of committed to it, but he just didn't think that what happened being told to, like, go fuck yourself, basically, was justification enough for his character to do it. But oh, he really it. had to get into that mindset to be like, oh, you know, this guy's to consider super drugs, high strong. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All the drugs they're on all the time. He just killed somebody. Exactly. He's already yeah. on his toes so And he hates much, that kid you know? anyway. Yeah, <laughs> like, always. Yeah. So for him, it's like that would just be the final straw. I mean, he hates the kid, so he rips on him. As a joke, right. but really just hates him. And so when that guy shows him up in front of all of his friends, he's going to do it. But that was the hardest thing for him to kind of wrap his brain around until he just dove right into the character. Yeah, right. Well, something that I th- figured out a, f- a few years ago, and I, and I asked Melissa about it when we rewatched it. I'd love to know what you guys think. Did you guys always think that De Niro was like a psychotic from like from like your first viewings of this? Because I always thought, like, did he, you know, uh, Jimmy's like, you know, he's a he's a he's a thief. He's not a, he's not a psychotic like Joe Pesci's character is. But re, but watching it more recently, I was like, no, he's a little psychotic. It's there's totally there's no oh, reason. Yeah. There's no reason to kill all those people after the heist. Like nope. he goes fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. And he and it's and, it, and it, I think like he's showing like levels. Like there's a level of of just. Uh, violence and psych and psychotic breakdowns that happen if you're living this life every day. Like Henry's at the bottom, and then De Niro, and then Pesci's the complete lunatic that shoots like, some kid in the foot yeah. for insulting him. But I, but De Niro's performance is so kind of reserved. You know, like uh, drinks are on the house. He insulted him a little bit. You yeah, know, but he, you see how hard he kicked him in the fucking <laughs> right. Face, he's not so know? big, but the guy's yeah. a fucking lunatic too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I totally. think I think what kind of set him off on that is because that heist that they did was so big. And the day of, one dude buys a car, another dude buys a jack, and he's like, "We're gonna get busted. We are going to get busted." So he's like, "I need to wipe out everybody." I need to wipe out anybody connected to this because if I can't even trust them for a day and if the wig guy's coming up saying, where's my money? Like that day, he's like, oh, high, too high stakes. It's just, We're so, get busted. It's just so shitty to me. It's just mm-hmm. not even going to protect the people that – because he didn't do the heist. He didn't do the fucking heist. No, but he – Everyone else the, did the he heist. He got the money. And then, yeah. he, and then he just takes them all out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's insane. Two the, – the last thing I had was there's two potential cast – changes um so apparently al pacino was offered the role of jimmy oh wow um but he turned it down because he's worried about being typecast so uh instead (laughs) instead really he was in dick tracy so (laughs) as uh as big boy caprice which he said which i personally love that movie as a kid i haven't seen it forever but i loved it as a kid i'm like really like that's a mobster that's a cartoony mobster but you're turning down jimmy because you're worried about typecast so, <laughs> and uh, Leota actually turned down the part of Harvey Dent in the Batman movie for this. The eighty-nine so, Batman movie, yeah the uh, oh, the first one, the, the nineteen eighty-nine. Wow. Uh-huh. So crazy. I think that was a good choice. I mean, good choices because that part I love that movie. It's one of my Dude, favorite seen... movies, but it's so that part so forgettable in that movie versus this, where it's like yeah, this it's is even, yeah, just... this is Ray Liotta's best film for me, man. I've oh, seen yeah, a lot absolutely. of his stuff, but this mm. one takes the cake. I mean, Operation Dumbo Drop is close. Close. Really, really close. Yeah, ever so close. Yeah. Well, that's all I had with it. Any anybody else? Any parting thoughts on Goodfellas? Would you guys? 
I th- I think we already know the answer to this, but would you consider don't watch it? One it. Of the it's a best, horrible movie. It's awful. It's the so worst overrated. movie in the entire world. But it is one of the best films ever made. Yeah. It's my fourth totally. favorite movie. I think it's the best. Yeah, I think it's the best gangster me. movie. I even yeah. think it's the best Scorsese movie. I, th- I think it's yeah. wow, it's great. I'm up there. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, just real real quick, because we haven't talked about it, the uh, tracking shot going into the Coca Cabana. Oh yeah! Um, the, the, oh, that was so cool. Introducing all of the people. That was so efficient and it fun. Just, as as a filmmaker, you think like, why the fuck am I even trying? Because that was a mistake. <laughs> the, he he wanted to, you know, he couldn't get the shot that he wanted to do. He wanted to do a whole like cut it all up and then mm. going through the front. And they're like, you can't go through the fucking front for whatever reason. They couldn't yeah. really do it. So he's like, all right, fuck it. We'll do a tracking shot. And then you get this beautiful, like I think it's like four minute tracking shot. Three, yeah, three you know, and a quarter. And while they're playing. Um, Phil Spector, I forget which which tune it is, um, and it's just so iconic. And then he kissed me, and then he, then he kissed me, right? Mm-hmm. And you, and it's almost like I think he he could have been a great musical director. Oh, yeah. sure. The way that he has everything pinpointed exactly where it needs to be, and then I always forget that he doesn't cut even when he goes through the kitchen. He goes down the hallway through the kitchen, mm-hmm. and then when he gets into the main dining room, he still doesn't cut. Doesn't then funny. then he follows. He, we leave Leota for a second, and mm-hmm. he follows the dude preparing their table. Mm-hmm. That he's so important. That they're going to prepare a special table for him right in front of Honey, right in front of Henny Youngman, mm-hmm. you know, and th- and that is just one of those things you right. one of those long shots you hear so much about, and you're like, oh, it can't be that good, and then you watch it for like the 80th. Time. It is, yeah. it's still it is that so fucking good. Well, even better, it ends on that. It ends on such a beautiful line, right? She she's like, "What do you do?" And he's like, "I'm a construction a union man." <laughs> And she's feeling his hands the whole time. She yeah. goes, you don't seem like a construction <laughs> man. It's like, I'm like, a union rep. She's and, like, you gave them $20 each. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and she's feeling rep. his hands. I love that part, right? He has soft hands. He, he's never Great. fucking done construction a day in his life. You know? and, then, and then Henny Youngman starts doing his bit. And he keeps the audio of the Henny Youngman bit while you're seeing Pesci and Leota going, walking across a... Uh, air, airplane uh, airport parking lot, you know, at sunrise to mm. steal something. It's just, it's it's almost it's, it's almost like an album, like a perfect, it's beautiful, like a yeah. perfect album, and everything just. So it's amazing into when each all other. of those elements just work in such perfect harmony. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if there's anyone listening that hasn't seen this film, there's a zillion things we haven't even fucking talked yeah. about. Oh, That's yeah. how great this, this film, film is. is. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You just gotta watch, experience it. You really do. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Well, I oh. think we're all all in unison. This movie is amazing. Well, yeah. we, we all came. So, <laughs> yeah, Scorsese. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Yeah. So now we are to the point of the show where we talk about what's making us hard this week. Mm. Jonesy, what is making you hard? Uh, I just finished this book called The Art of Not Giving a Fuck, <laughs> uh, which is probably one of my favorite books that I've read over the last couple of years. Uh, I don't know. It's like one of those anti-self-help books, you know, because everything's just like, you're supposed to be like this and da-da-da and have purpose. And he's just like, fuck all that. Don't do any of that shit. And I was just like, thank God. This yeah. is awesome. Um, but there's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of actual good stuff in there. But I would highly recommend reading uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Nice. Nice. Chris? Uh, right now, uh, it's been making me hard for years, but this week especially, is uh, the director, Robert Altman, who um, no one has seen his films <laughs> it gets less and less as it goes. He's, he passed about 10 years ago and I just rewatched the player last night and I'm going to watch uh, shortcuts again. No, oh, um, I like shortcuts. Uh, uh, hope, hopefully tonight, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And, um, <laughs> She's like, fucking fine. Yeah, great. Yeah, we're going to watch <laughs> fucking three hours. Of, we better do hand stuff. Really, we really, better do hand stuff at least. <laughs> I, really want, I really want three hours of 70 zooms and you just coming on the TV again. Yeah, so much fun. <laughs> But um, he, it's just so important to keep watching these old 
these old filmmakers, they just don't make films like that anymore. And if anyone doesn't know who Robert Alban is, check out the Player Shortcuts Nashville, Gosford Park, a big ensemble cast where, um, to your point about plot before, he said, I'm not interested in plot. I don't care. All the great stories have been written. I just want to see characters. I, 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 I wanna, I'm right I, there for myself. I want to I see behavior. I want to see something I haven't seen before. So what he would do um, is he would just get this big cast of people, mic everything up, and float the camera. That's awesome. And then he yeah. would put in the movie what he thought was interesting, much to the chagrin of the studio people yeah. <laughs> that would yeah. hire him to make you know, something that was going to make some money, which he rarely did, but just wonderful films. So Robert Altman is what is making me hard. Awesome. <laughs> Melissa? Um, I've watched five seasons of Game of Thrones in the past, <laughs> in the past, past week and a half. Good, <laughs> Good for <laughs> you. Weeks. Um, I'm not caught up yet, so I can't talk about everything. But every time something happens, um, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised by it. I didn't think I'd be so into the history of it. It was mm-hmm. like It's like watching a history lesson over and over again. I love how much they cover in scenes just talking to each other, how much like... How much that excites me. Like, I'm all about Tyrion Lannister and everything that he has to say. <laughs> um, so just this, like, witty banter back and forth has actually made me more intelligent. Like You're like, I'm getting smarter. <laughs> Seriously. Just by just, like, absorbing the whole series. Um, I love, yeah, just, I love, I'm just totally in the world right now trying to figure out, like, which house I'm most like, what I would do next. I don't so much like the violence or the, like, the battle scenes, but more so just people talking, arranged marriages. The drama. Um, Stealing women. I don't know. All this stuff is so exciting to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Nice, dude. Less you got a good one over there. Yeah. Snatchy, <laughs> Well, before we started it, <laughs> before we started, she's like, oh, this is not my thing. I don't know what's going I was like, Lots of I pills, was like, yeah. give me four episodes. If you're not hooked, I will not make a watch. See, then my wife is the opposite. She's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> this is boring as shit. I'm like, all right, babe, go to bed. Just go to bed. <laughs> no, I'm deep in now. I'm like, maybe I should read the books. Like, he just flipped Oh, me. you're in it. Oh, <laughs> you are. Shit, girl, you're, you're all in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you saw the tra- new trailer that's, that just no, came out. No, I can't. She's not caught up yet. She's still en route. I stopped at <laughs> season four, though, because I was just like, fuck, where the dragon's going to come? <laughs> that's what I want. I'm like, fucking, I want the dragons to come. Uh, don't stop there, though. I know. I know. <laughs> dragons aren't real, but mermaids are, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> so. Well, I, I had a friend that stopped watching the shows once they started diverging from the books. And I was like, <laughs> how, was like how can you fucking stop? with the show and she was like I've been reading these books since 1996 I've been living with this she's like an OG for, fan I've been living with this for that long okay wow. Clinton was president when I started reading this <laughs> I don't fucking care about your silly little TV show right, right. <laughs> uh, you know you, you got those hardcore people right yeah, yeah. yeah. fine that's good fair. for you enjoy, enjoy. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not gonna read these goddamn books I'm just right. not you know what I mean I'm just not gonna do it <laughs> right that's what like the you know the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings all came out and everybody's like oh it's not you know it's not real Tolkien I was like look dude I have like a five grade reading level so <laughs> I'm just gonna not read those and just watch the movie you know <laughs> live in my own fantasy bastards <laughs> so for me uh, what's making me hard this week is the second season of Master of None oh, I've heard I don't know great. if you've seen any of that but the first season I really like the premise of it I really enjoyed all the characters and everything but for me on the writing side it I felt like I mean it was Aziz Ansari and his writing partner Alan Yang I think is the guy's name and I'm like, man, you need like a lead writer to kind of it just needed to be kind of smoothed around the edges because yeah. some of the back and forth dialogue was almost straight from his book, Modern Romance, where it was more like talking to you versus mm-hmm. actual dialogue between people. Um, and it's been a year and a half since the first season. But this second season is just like perfect. This is Aziz coming in 
really studying like his past work and really pushing himself to just like do as the best he can do and the writing is phenomenal he directs a couple of the episodes the oh, first wow. the first episode of the season takes place in italy in black and white and he directs it and it's so cool it's super honest there's some standalone he kind of loses most of the side characters they pop in in and out every once in a while when needed but really it's about him and it just it's a it's a perfect season of a show like it's wow. literally perfect everything about it um so i highly highly recommend that i have some friends who never saw the first season and i tell them like i mean some stuff you might be initially a little bit lost just not knowing the initial relationships but they do such a good job of kind of reminding you right away you know right away who they are and you just know that they're friends so i mean angela bassett is one in one episode which i really hope her episode is i think it's called thanksgiving and it's i hope it gets nominated for stuff i hope the show gets nominated for like every emmy um, I highly recommend the show. It's just so nice to have stuff like like this, like these platforms now, like Netflix, mm-hmm. where you can have a real auteur go and you know yeah. do a thing. And it's know? nice when they, when it comes to streaming and cables, doing this also. Some it's nice when they don't feel they have to come out with the show every every year. Yeah, take a second. So yeah, take time, yeah. really work on it. And with Master and None, you know, when streaming first happened. With original content, you know, if it was a sitcom, it'd be 30 minutes. If it was a drama, it'd be an hour. And they kind of still stuck with the TV format, where this, he's not constrained by it. There's some episodes that are an hour long, some that are 30. It's just however long it takes for the story to be told. That's so cool. And it's really interesting and really good. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, he's like, I want to let it breathe. There's a scene, I'm not going to really spoil anything, but there's a scene where it's like just him like a single shot for like three minutes and you're just living the emotions and he's not even talking but you're just living with what he's feeling at that moment that's awesome. just letting it breathe yeah it was phenomenal so it's netflix only Uh uh-huh okay yeah netflix master of none Mm -hmm. so it's Awesome. And if you don't got Netflix, what the fuck's the matter with you? Yeah. Well, we've got it. It must be great because someone, someone, someone at work who like is not a huge, you know, cinephile person, you know, like we are, was like, "Have you seen, you know, Master of None season two? I was like, "No." He's like, "Oh, it's." It, she said it was really, it was really interesting. She said, "I'm in all of his brain. I'm just, I'm just mm. in all of it." Yep. It, 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 we, we don't know what he's gonna do next. He so is creative. so talented, and I mean, he's always been fun, and you're like, he has sure, it. Yeah. He has the thing, but he kind of always played like the lovable doofus right, and things right. like that, and kind of stuck with type, which because a lot of people kind of have to start out that way. Right, but right. this, he like really pushed himself. And is it like as a cinephile, you'll appreciate yeah. some stuff. Is it like Woody Allen kind of like yes, creativity it's, kind of stuff? It's <laughs> so someone described it as a Woody Allen movie cast with people Woody Allen would never cast. In a Woody <laughs> Allen movie. Right, 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 right. I'm in then. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, and awesome. there's one episode called I Love You, New York, where he follows just random people, where it just kind of shows like in New York, you know, people, it's the, the nightlife, you never know who you're going to meet. So it'll go like bounce from one person to another and different things. And it's so interesting. Cool. And so I highly recommend it. That's awesome. All right. And I found out I'm going to watch this week. Yeah, yeah, highly recommend it. You have to let me know what you think. Yeah, for sure. All right. Now we're on to plugs. We'll start with the guests first. So, Chris, where can people find you? What do you want people to... You can find so, me anywhere. I'm just all over the place. So what's your address so people can stop by? <laughs> he's actually a wanderer. Yeah. I'm usually on the street just screaming about Goodfellas and Robert Altman. Um, yeah, he's just screaming, Altman! If you see that <laughs> Altman, guy, uh-huh. um, I'm going to be doing a stand-up show, um, sort of special. We're filming it. We'll call it a special. Why not? At uh, the Loft Ensemble in Sherman Oaks on June 10th. 
Uh, it's called Send Me Your Prayers, and it's going to be uh, sort of a combination of the last two and a half years I've spent doing stand-up. Um, so the best, the best stuff that I've got. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how good it is. So, no, it's going to be great. So is there some place that people can find you for your other dates and things like that? Um, Instagram, okay. uh, Magic Rat 32. Uh, my film, pro- our film production company is, uh, highways and hallways, which is on Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, YouTube, Chris Haas, where you can see my stand up and some of my short films. Um, yeah. Nice. Melissa, anything you want to plug or where can people find you or any of that good stuff? Um, we're working on Chris's movie. He's directing. Oh, right. That. Called Kill the Detectives. Oh, cool. Um, I play one of the ensemble cast, which is exciting. It's a Generation X murder mystery movie. Teo. Um, so we just filmed the trailer and we're working on um, some other, like other trailer shoots, pickup shoots. And then we'll likely be filming in September. And so it's his first feature um, it'll be exciting just to just to work on a set and see yeah. exactly how it works. And I'm also doing production for it. So, and what's it called again? Kill the Detectives. Nice. nice. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, we're trying to do it like a film that would have been made in the mid '90s and put out by Miramax, like a, like like Go or Two Hundred Cigarettes or mm-hmm. or you know all the all those post Pulp sure. Fiction kind of movies. Mm-hmm. So. But also kind of like very Kevin Smith. Very right. Woody Allen, just a mix of all of his influences. Nice. Kind of like the when Miramax first started the commercial indie, right. you know, <laughs> right, basically right, the right, mainstream right, right. indie. <laughs> yeah, cool, man. That's exciting. I can't wait. Yeah, thank you very much, Jonesy. Uh, Where you, can people find you? Just me, <laughs> Anything UFR podcast, you guys can see us there. If you want to go, give us likes, hand jobs, whatever. Mm-hmm. And our social media, UFR podcast, for both Twitter and it. Instagram. You got it. For myself, the Noah Kinsey, both Instagram, Twitter, uh, Periscope, I guess. Um, also <laughs> on there, not a lot of people use that anymore. And my website, uh, noahkinsey.com. Um, other than that, I think I think that's good. So, Jonesy, yes, sir. our next show mm-hmm. is Do the Right Thing. Ooh, oh, we just watched that one too. That was my. Yeah, that was, we're going back. We're going back in time a year. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that was a, that was my Spike Lee, right? Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, yeah, Spike Lee joint. That was my '89 sweet. movie. So we just watched that. We're good fellas. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm excited. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Melissa and Chris, for being. Thank on Thank you show. for having thank us. Thank you so much. Very awesome, and thank you everybody for listening. We will see you next week. We out. Oh, 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 oh,